Life Audio. Sometimes when we are facing a situation that doesn't seem to make sense, it can be easy to just think, okay, God, where are you? But what we learn in Psalm 60 is that we can lean into this identity that we have in our relationship with God and say, okay, God, even if I don't understand, I trust you. We're going to be talking about that more today. Stay tuned. After a quick word from our sponsor, we'll dive into today's episode together. I pray it blesses you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're going to be reading through Psalm 60. I pray this episode blesses you. If you have rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us, you have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures for its quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. Upon Edom, I toss my sandal. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? It is it not you, O God, who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. So Psalm 60 is a psalm that is what is called a community lament. We, we know that because of the words us, our, we, and a lament is um, like a prayer complaint, essentially. And this is a prayer that's being prayed by the congregation after Israel has had this daunting defeat in a battle, probably by the Edomites, as it talks about in verse 8. And in these Psalms of Lament, there's a complaint that can typically take on three directions or even a combination of directions. It can be a complaint against God. A lot of times we see that. It can be a complaint against themselves. And it can also be a complaint against the enemies. Here, what we're seeing is, especially in the beginning part, a complaint against God. And there are other Psalms that are like this, Psalm 50, Psalm 73 to 83, the Asaph Psalms. They sometimes contain this direct word from God that, that alludes to kind of the similar 
way that we're we're reading this in Psalm 60. But Psalm 60 contains a word that is spoken by a prophet or a priest or perhaps even the king who is the psalmist. And that prophet is giving assurance that God's claim on Canaan still applies and that his attention to make the conquest complete is still in effect. And I think that's important for a couple of reasons. We have a tendency, just like they did, to look at things in the physical and then sometimes forget what God has promised in the spiritual. And so in the context of this psalm, what we're seeing is despite this defeat, we have a God who is saying, don't, don't look at that, look at me. And when, when life is feeling defeating, and sometimes in those moments when it's feeling defeating and it has no explanation, we can still affirm victory because we know we have God's help. Because without God's help, all the human help in the world is is worthless without God. And so Psalm 60 serves as this reminder that God is faithful and we can rehearse his promises and his faithfulness despite what the circumstances look like. And ultimately, God's word of promise is going to be fulfilled. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. So Psalm 60 is one of those psalms, those prayers that help us remember that in those difficult moments. In 60 verse 2, when it's talking about quaking, the metaphor of an earthquake can describe really any kind of catastrophe or even something like a social upheaval. And here it's talking about a military disaster. But that idea of quaking, we see that a couple of different times throughout the Psalms. It's really any kind of tragedy or catastrophe that's happening. I want to talk just for a minute about this list of cities, because I don't know if you're like me, but it, when I first read that, I'm like, what is even going on right here? There's there's a couple things that we want to pay attention to when it's going through this list of cities. So these places, starting in verse 6, these places that are listed in this prophetic section are naming regions that were under the sovereign control of Yahweh. Either they were his agents in battle or if they were Israelite, they um, ha- they housed enemies that God was going to defeat. And so Shechem was an important city in the northern hill country of Israel. And that is a, a location that is associated with the wanderings of the patriarchs and then also worship. The place of the covenant renewal for the Israelites was going to be there when they settled the land under Joshua. And so since that area was closely tied with Israel's presence in the land and and the covenant they had with Yahweh, right here what it's doing is it's referring to a point of Yahweh's possession of the land. And I think that's an important reminder because what this is doing is it's serving, again, as a reminder, Shechem is a place that is under God's control. And then across the Jordan River from Shechem was Succoth, which is a city that is also associated with Jacob, and it's located near the valley of the river, and it's conquered by Joshua and given to the tribe of Gad, who settled in that area. And then Gilead is another name for that same region, and Manasseh is the tribe who included the the allotment of Shechem. So what we're seeing is these first four geographical references, it's really referring to two. It's it's basically a, a long way to say, talk about these two 
geographical regions. And what's going on in these regions is these are regions that are controlled and of a huge tie to the covenant between God and his people. So being north of Moab and Edom, this region of Israel is is a way for Yahweh to claim possession and then also challenge claim possession of Israel and also challenge the foreign nations. And I think that's important because there is a major foreign threat that was in that Mediterranean coastal region because of the Philistines. And so in this prophecy, what it's doing is it's naming the majority of the Israelite territories and their immediate foreign enemies. That's a lot. But the application of that is that there is going to be an intervention of God on the behalf of his people against the enemies of Israel. And I say all that to say God is present and he is working and he is able in the middle of the situations that feel like you are up against your enemies. And I know that might be hard to grasp because we don't understand the regional aspects of what it's saying here. But it's again, it's a way for, for the psalmist to claim, okay, even in the midst of what I'm doing, human aid is nothing if I don't have God's aid. And essentially what we're seeing through this passage is God reminding them, look, I got you. And I don't know if that's important for you. For me, I've had situations where I've been up against so many different things and I have in the physical not understood how it's going to work out. And yet we serve a God that says, hey, I got you. I don't know if you've, you've been in those kinds of situations, but if you are, I want you to remember that we serve a God that sees your situation. He understands your situation and he is present in your situation, despite what the enemy might try to tell you. Another aspect of the psalm I want to make sure that we don't miss is that David is admitting that God's people have suffered this defeat in this battle because they failed to depend on God and follow his plans. And so, so the solution in those kinds of situations, or at least in this situation, was to desperately seek God in prayer and asking God to forgive them and to renew this right attitude in their hearts. And we, at times, do the same thing. I mean, we... I myself have, have been up against some heavy things and my attitude or my heart or my mouth is not in alignment with, with God in that situation. I give into the flesh, especially if it's something to do like with my kids or my family or somebody I love. I mean, Pastor Rachel goes out the window and Mama Bear comes, shows up. And now I'm not saying that it's right. I think it's human nature. It's why I need Jesus. It, it's the very reason why we need the Holy Spirit's intervention on our behalf. Because left to ourselves, the flesh rises up. And so what do we see the answer here? The answer is repentance. The answer is coming to God in prayer and asking for God's forgiveness and asking for his intervention. And even spiritually, sometimes we can feel defeated or we can experience defeat in our families or in our personal lives or even in our churches when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. Our pride can get the better of us. We can seek the world standard instead of the biblical standard. We can give in to the things and the pressures of this world. And when that happens, it drives us to this place of feeling isolated from God to the point we're almost afraid 
of asking him for help because it's almost like, well, we got ourselves into this situation. You have to get yourself out of the situation. And see, that's what the enemy wants you to think. But that's not, that's not God's standard. That's not God's solution. In fact, God's greatest desire is that we turn to him for forgiveness and help. I mean, it's the whole point. It's the whole point of the gospel is he sent Jesus so we could experience forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationship with him. And so if we do that, he accepts us and he gives us victory in the end. But we have to come to that place. I want to take a quick break and we're going to have a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to go through the rest of this passage and I'm going to pray over you. Stay tuned. So as we look at the theological insights that we can gain from this passage, it would be easy to believe that Israel's defeat by their enemies, at least this temporary defeat, is a conclusion that based on their circumstances, God has rejected him. Yet what the psalmist is doing is he's pointing out he has this deeper knowledge and confidence of God's love for Israel. And so as we talked about a couple minutes ago, Israel is God's people. Israel is God's beloved people. And there has been this covenant between Yahweh, God, and this special people that is not going anywhere. It's not like these circumstances are going to nullify that covenant. And in fact, the psalmist is pointing out God's faithfulness to his people. And while in the, in the temporary physical circumstances, it may not feel that way. What I say all the time is we can't go by what we feel. We have to go by, by what we know in the world we live in today. While our situations and our circumstances are different, there are wars going on. And we can think through this connection to Psalm 60 because it all kind of grows out of this military situation. So Israel has suffered this defeat in this battle. And even though they can't identify what they did wrong and that thinking in that culture was that sin is connected to all sin is connected to behavior and outcomes. So they have this thinking that if they have gotten to this place, it has to be a result of their sin. And while we know that that might not be true at the time, that's what they believed. That's how they felt. And that's the, the people of Israel, what they were re- wrestling with. And so they go to God in prayer about it. These are some tragic times for them. And we see these metaphors that's talking about the land being torn open or um, like Israel being drunk and staggering about. And these are pictures that stand in contrast to this idea of Israel as a people group who fear the Lord and they know that they're loved and that they are God's beloved. It's, It's a contrast because it's a result of the weariness that they are facing after being in this battle that they have just lost. And I think what we can see at the very heart of this psalm is that David's reaction to this setback, I mean, it's a huge, huge setback. There's two Mm -hmm. things we can take away that we can see. The first is that David uses language of faith and he prays for God's intervention from from a perspective and a foundation of faith. He's speaking of those who fear God in verse four, and he talks about being beloved in verse five. And he speaks about this banner being laid out on the field of battle to represent God's presence and God's right hand, which can save and deliver. And these are reminders that, that, um, God 
has been faithful to Israel, even when it doesn't feel like that. The second thing that we can see from from David is that he is remembering God's promise to give Israel the land because God has spoken. He says God has spoken from his sanctuary and verses six through eight are, are a beautiful reminder of that. And while at first, let me read six through eight. Just as a reminder, six says, God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. That is a very beautiful picture if you understand it. It it might seem kind of hard to understand because we don't get the layers of it. But when we remember that Joshua conquered Canaan, And then he parceled out the land to the tribes of Israel. We begin to see these details of of how God intervenes and works despite the circumstances. And so in other words, there's a picture behind this picture, behind this word picture. And it's a picture of God parceling out the land and a fulfillment of his promise to give the land to Israel. And the allotment of the land when Joshua did it, was done on God's behalf. And so this picture, this word picture, is found nowhere else in the Bible, but in this psalmist David, the psalmist referring to God standing in the land of Canaan and saying, I'm going to triumph and parcel out Shechem. He's metaphorically speaking about running his finger over the map and saying, okay, here's Shechem, I'm giving it to you, Israel. And here's the Valley of Succoth, I'm giving it to you, Israel. And Gilead and Manasseh, they're mine. So here they are, they're all yours. And Ephraim, that's yours. It's it's basically him saying, I got this. And so I don't want you to miss that because we all face situations where we don't understand what's going on that we when we see the situation that's that's going down before us we don't understand what's going on and yet we have a god that comes back and reminds us i am faithful i got this even if you don't get it right now you have to remember that i am faithful and i'll tell you this is a very very small not even probably relevant but i'm going to say it anyway this is a small experience that i had because this past couple weeks that I'm just going to, I'm just going to share because I think it might help explain this concept. David is leaning into his identity as being a chosen son of God. And this identity of knowing that God is faithful in his promises. And, and when you can use that as your foundation, all of the things that are happening around you fade away. When we, when we went, uh, we traveled over Christmas, my family and I did. And we it was our family vacation for the year. And because my daughter's in college now, we had to kind of plan on her college break. And I had this wonderful idea that we could be able to get away in, even though it was December, and we could just spend a week just being together as a family. And going there was not the problem. Coming home, probably like many of you, our the area we lived in experienced this huge, 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 huge snowstorm. And it made the, the process of getting home very, very difficult. And by no means am I equating this to war. And by no means am I trying to minimize any situations that you're going through. But for us, when you're traveling with children, me, I travel as an adult and I'm used to delays and all those kinds of things. But when traveling with children, it's a different story. It can be very, very stressful for them just not knowing and having this insecurity. And so 
between the process of um, flights being delayed and then flights being canceled and then connecting flights being canceled then connecting flights being delayed we were delayed and delayed and delayed and what ended up happening was as we ended up in Detroit and we live in Pennsylvania and it was Christmas Eve everything was close it was super late at night we picked the only rental car that was available um, in all of Detroit there was one, basically one car left, and when we got it, um, we didn't realize until we were about a mile down the road that the whole front end was smashed in. We drove from Detroit to Cleveland because we had left Cleveland, and that's where our car was. And so it's the middle of the night, Christmas night. We have been traveling for four days. Our luggage is lost. We have no idea where if our luggage is even in the country at this point. And just over and over and over everything just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And of course, nothing's open for food and the kids are starving. And we don't even know if we're going to be able to make it to Cleveland, let alone back to Pennsylvania because the weather is so bad and there's cars off the road. Um, it, it was just a mess. It was a mess. And as we got to Cleveland, when we got there, the, um, the place where we had parked our van, that that uh, parking lot was closed and they were not letting us in. So my husband had to figure out a way to get in and get, get to our van when we went to drop off the rental car um, because it's a snowstorm and it's the middle of the night and it's Christmas Eve. There's no employees. So um, it was kind of a mess. And actually to this day, um, we're what, three weeks into January. They still think the car is stolen because they, they haven't processed it and they don't even know where the car is. <laughs> and it's, it's just a huge mess. But what I'm saying is I'm saying all that to say there was this temptation every step of the way as we were fighting and fighting and fighting to get home. We finally got home on Christmas Day. Um, it took us four and a half days to get home. But as we were fighting to get home, the temptation would have been to just say, God, what are you doing? Where are you? This is ridiculous. And, I, and, I, and I'm not minimizing because this was coming home from a vacation. This was not war. But in the moment, the stress of that felt like, man, it, we could have said, God, where are you? This sucks, whatever. And instead, it was interesting because I think probably for one of the first times in my life, I kept feeling and sensing my first thought was, okay, God, I trust you. This is not ideal. This doesn't seem to make sense, but I trust you. And I think that's what I'm getting at as I read this psalm. And that's what I want you to get at is that despite what's going on, the chaos that's going on, we can have peace when we have confidence in knowing that God is faithful. And, and that's the place that I want you to get to this, this, um, in this psalm, that, that there's a victory on the other side of this because we serve a God that, that is victorious because Jesus defeated death on the cross. There's nothing that, that, that the enemy can throw at us that God can't overcome. He is the redeemer and the restorer of all things, despite our circumstances. And when we can get that through our heads and our hearts, it changes the way we live our lives, even in the midst of chaos. So given that insight, I want to reread this for you. And I pray that it blesses you. Starting in verse one, you have rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You've shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures, for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, 
and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter, Moab is my wash basin, upon Edom I toss my sandal, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies." God, I pray for my friends today that they would lean into the knowledge that you are faithful despite the circumstances we may be facing, despite the chaos of this world and the hard things and the battles that we feel like we've lost. You are a God that is faithful. So right now I pray for my friends. I pray that they would be overwhelmed with this sense of your provision, that even if the battle has been lost, the victory is still yours. God, I pray for the victory we can have in allowing your peace to fill us despite the circumstances of our lives. God, I thank you for this constant reminder and David's heart of just knowing that you are a faithful God. I pray again that this would um, permeate our hearts and our minds in such a way that we don't doubt, that we would walk away from chaotic or stressful circumstances and we would say, okay, God, I don't understand but I trust you. It's this place that that you are calling us to, and it's this place that I pray my friends can arrive at. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have, is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with Him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.